thank all the leadership of CR and thank all of you uh, for coming. Um, I think uh, Gary and Juliana are here somewhere. Are you in the house? Well, let's just celebrate them. They said they promised they'll be here and they are here. They are handling the couples ministry in, uh, in the Big C Church, TLC, and they want to be able to hear uh, to be here to hear your questions so they can prepare the answers. So when you join their ministry, they already know what you want to know. Is that cool? Well, searching. I'll go very straight. The format is simple. I'll speak for about 15, 20 minutes. I'll teach you and show you some basic uh, things to look for in, in, in searching and maybe give you some tools here and there. And then I am going to... Uh, address some questions that have already been sent to me, and then I will open up for any other question that have not been addressed. But I pray that the Spirit of God will really speak to you today. You know, it's a very important step for you to take in finding or searching or looking for a partner. So because of that, let's look to the Holy Ghost for guidance. Shall we please pray? Father, I thank you for this awesome privilege and opportunity you've given uh, for us to be able to speak to your precious ones that they may hear you and that they may hear the voice of the Holy Ghost as they yearn to move forward in life. I pray, O oh God, tonight, anoint my lips of clay. Let me speak the oracles of Jehovah. Bless my brother and bless my sister. I ask all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, there are two questions I always ask. If someone comes to me and they say, well, I'm very, very interested in this person. There are two very important questions I ask, and I want you to note these two questions. Question number one, how do you feel in your spirit about him or her. I don't say how do you feel in your emotions. I'm not saying how do you feel in your mind. What do you think? I'm not asking what you think. That's your mind. I'm not asking what you feel. That's your emotions. I'm asking about what you feel in your spirit. If you can answer that question, we are on our way. The next question I ask is this. If the person is a guy, I ask, do you love her? And if the person is a is, is a girl, I ask, do you respect him? Watch my choice of words very carefully. Um, and we will address it later. So these are the first two questions you must first have. Uh, how do you feel in your spirit? A lot of people cannot answer that question because they don't even know how they feel in their spirit. It's, it's foreign language to them. It means you are not ready to marry. You must understand this basic, basic, basic nomenclature. You must be in touch with these things. You must know. And why am I saying that? Well, people always ask me, and a very common question I deal with, um, how do I know the perfect will of God for me? Well, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, we have three kinds of wills of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So there's the good will of God, there's the acceptable will of God, and then there's the perfect will of God. Three. So, uh, people always ask, how do I know the perfect will of God? Well, that's what we'll be addressing tonight. Good will of God. I'll show you what it is. An acceptable will of God. I'll always show you what it is. So there are three, three kinds. A lot of people, many times, they settle for the good or acceptable will of God. And to them, it is the perfect will of God. It's not. There's the good, there's the acceptable, and there's the perfect. I pray that each one of you will find the perfect will of God for your life. You know, Paul uh, wrote a very interesting scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 to 9. You know, he, he admonished, he said, listen, for I wish that all men were even as I am, but each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner, another in that manner. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So, according to Apostle Paul, <laughs> left to him alone, uh, let all the guys not marry. But then he goes on to say, singleness is a gift. I mean, for you being here, nobody has that gift. Because those, those, those who have those gifts won't be here. So. But I need to lay the full uh, background of scripture. Because you need to be able to know what this thing is all about. Paul is saying, uh, I wish that all the men were like me because I'm single. And then he goes on to say, but I know that it's not everyone who has this gift because we have different gifts. And then he went on to say, well, in case you don't have the gift of singleness, then marry. Then he goes on to admonish us as to how to marry. He said, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So, if you are here, you believe that you want to marry, then I'm ready to talk to you. But if you belong to the class of Paul, let's end the session. Let's all go home. Because all I'm saying will make sense to you. Am I talking to people who really want to marry here? I can't hear. Your yes is so weak. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me now start. The first couple who ever lived on planet Earth, who put them together? Talk to me. Who put them together? I still can't hear you. Who put them together? God. Well, the first couple were put together by God. So the next couple must also be put together by God. Bible says he caused Adam to sleep. He brought out one rib from Adam. And then he brought out Eve. And then it was actually God who brought Eve to Adam and said, Adam, here is your wife. Adam now said, Thank God, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman. 
And then for this cause, a man shall leave his mother and his father, he'll be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall be one. So, the first couple was actually put together by God. So the one who has your future husband, your future wife is God. Not online. Is God. So the first thing you do in your search is go to the one who started this whole thing. Am I making sense to somebody? God said it's not good for a man to be alone. He said I'll make him a helper. A man shall leave be joined and shall become one flesh. So it's not good if you don't have the gift that Paul has, the gift of just being alone and not marrying. If you don't have it, they said it's not good for you to be alone. It's not. But he said, I'll make you a helper. So watch this, watch this. Ladies, your husband is your helper. And men, uh, sisters, uh, brothers, your wife is your helper. When you come together, you come together to be a helper to each other. In fact, I love to teach. When I teach uh, in the Married Fresh Love Seminar, which we just did last week, I most of the time tell them that uh, the real helper we have in life is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And then the second helper is the partner God gave you. Your wife is to be your helper. So, if I'm going to help you, means you must be doing something. I come around to help. So, you must know what you are doing before the woman can come into your life to help. That means you must discover your purpose first before you discover your purpose partner. Or your helper for your purpose. Am I talking to somebody? Now, many of you are busy looking for your future husbands. Can I give you a quick advice? Actually, look for your purpose partner. And when you discover your purpose partner, you would have discovered your wife. Or you would have discovered your husband. You may discover a wife or a husband material. And they may necessarily not be your purpose partner. A lot of people don't even know what they are called to do. Right now, if I'm to take a census here, ask people, what's your purpose in life? A lot of people say, I don't know. I don't know my purpose. Well, I'm, I'm studying mechanical engineering. That's not your purpose. That's what you are studying. Oh, I did finance. That's not your purpose. That's what you are studying. Your purpose is what God called you on earth to do. What is that thing that you are alive for? What do you live for? What is that thing that consumes you? The thing that, for, the, the thing for which you live. That's your purpose. What did God create you for? You know, in, in Romans 8, 28, Bible says, we are called according to purpose. Can I say, can I hear you say, I am called according to purpose. No, let me hear you well. Say, I am called according to purpose. Now, that scripture is very important, so let me read it. Romans 8, verse 28. It said, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to purpose. 
So, please come, my dear. Uh, Mega, Meg, Megan, Megan, come, Megan. I want to show you something. Don't, don't be afraid. I won't do anything. You know, <laughs> Megan, you are called according to purpose. There's a purpose for you. I'm not going to ask you what it is, but I'm just telling you that there's a purpose for you. God created you and put you here on planet, planet Earth, not just to waste time. Not just to, just for you to chill. No, you were put here for a purpose. There's a divine assignment for you. Okay, so the one who is to help you do that purpose or fulfill that assignment or do that divine assignment is the helper that God gives you. Am I making sense? So, if you link up with someone who, number one, doesn't know your purpose, number two, doesn't like your purpose, number three, doesn't want your purpose, number three, doesn't understand your purpose, what do you think is going to happen? You will not be able to fulfill your purpose because I'm not going to help you. Because number one, I don't like what you're called to do. Maybe you are called to feed the poor all over the world. And, 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 and if that's your purpose, your purpose partner must love that purpose, must be there to support that purpose. And that is how marriage occurs. So the proper way to describe your, your future husband or wife is your purpose partner. Am I making sense to you? So, Megan, if you find a guy who is six feet tall, has all the features you are looking for, but is not called according to your purpose, you may have found a husband, but not a purpose partner. So, the problem with that, can you imagine what problems could occur? Can you imagine? Can you just think of one? Okay, tell us what it is. Uh, I lost it now. Lost it. <laughs> Let's celebrate Megan. Can somebody just tell us just one, just one thing? Mira, come. Come, come. I won't, I won't bite you. Can you just think of one, just one thing that can occur if you meet up and you actually begin to share your life with someone who doesn't share your purpose? Each other. What did you say? We won't understand each other. Awesome. And then what else? Um, maybe arguing. I don't know. Then what else? Divorce. I don't know. Then what else? <laughs> Let's celebrate media. What happens is you are in the same house and you want to go this way and she wants to go that way. Because you are not called according to his purpose. Neither are you called according to her purpose. But in the real relationship that is divine, you find a man who is going to help your purpose. In the same vein, that woman will help the man's purpose. So it is one chasing a thousand, but the two of you coming together will now chase 10,000. 
because you are moving in singular formation. You are not against each other. You are actually for each other. Am I talking to somebody? I know that, you know, many of us come from different cultural backgrounds and, and in some of our cultures, you must marry somebody from this village. You must marry somebody from that. My question to you is, if you marry the person from your village and it's not called according to purpose, your purpose, what happens? Because everyone's purpose is different. So, when Regina and I met, and some of the things we were talking about was purpose. And, and I, know I said to her, Mom, I'm going to be a pastor. God has called me to be a pastor. I'm going to be everybody's father. I will be everybody's brother. I'll be around. I'll be ministering. My time is going to be shared. I can give you all my time because I don't have it all to myself. I have a Lord. Can you come along with me? This is my purpose. And then later on she said with me all her life growing up, all she ever dreamt of being was to be a pastor's wife. So guess what? It's been 29 years. It's not been free of challenges, but it's been free of friction because there's no friction when it comes to purpose. We've lacked because there were times we didn't have money, but there was no fight because we knew that we are in this together. We've been places, we've been lonely, we've, been, we've gone to places we don't know. Ministry has taken us to places, but I have never, ever had to explain to my wife, oh, why this thing didn't work, oh, oh why that? No, 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 because it is us fulfilling purpose together. Am I talking to somebody? So it's, this is not Ralph Dati. This is Ralph and Regina Dati fulfilling purpose together. Helping her fulfill her purpose, helping me fulfill my purpose. In the process, there is no friction. Am I making sense so far? So what are you supposed to be looking for? Instead of looking for a wife, a husband, look for a purpose partner. Am I making sense to somebody? I just saw a text from Prophet Julius watching in Ghana. I said, my swag is cool. Hi, Prophet. <laughs> <laughs> if I wear a suit and three-piece, Apostle Kofi will kick me out of here, you know? So, you know, he wants me to look like a teenager. So, <laughs> thank you, boss. So, the key thing I want you to understand is you are looking for a purpose partner. Please. I beg of you, if you miss that thing, it's a downhill from there. And I know for many of you in your generation, somebody told you it's all about love. Oh, 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 oh. It all comes down to love. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. you don't know that song. All right, you find out. Uh, but I beg to defy, it's not, all ab it's not all about love. It's purpose. You are called according 
to purpose. You have an assignment. The real you has been called to an assignment. What you need is a helper. You don't need someone who will fight your assignment. You know, my, my daughter Mita talked about if we are moving in a different direction. Then you create a problem. Come, Regina, let let's demonstrate something to them. You know, Regina and I are going to be here. I'm going to pull this direction. She's going to pull that direction, and we'll see what will happen. Okay. We came together. We're joined together in marriage, right? Okay. So now you pull that direction because you are going. There, you keep going. Keep, just go, go. But go. Go, go your way. What happens to the two of us? You said it well. What are we doing? We're stuck. But she's really trying to go. I can feel the force. Go. Like. But what happens if the two of us, now we are called according to purpose, so we go together. We make progress. So a lot of People today, thanks so much, let's appreciate ma'am, who did not, a lot of people today who did not understand this principle I'm teaching you, the reason why many of you see marriages, even sometimes from your parents and you hate what you see, because you don't like what they portray as marriage to you, is because they are stuck here. Everyone is trying to pull in one direction, and so they're stuck. And when, they are, when you're stuck, can you imagine getting stuck together for 29 years? You will fight, you beat each other, you insult each other, you do whatever because you are stuck. You, are, you get bored, you get angry, you get upset, you insult the dog, you insult the cat, you insult her mother, she insults your mother, you insult her father, she insults your father. In the process, you can be. And the worst thing is, while you are still stuck, you're still bringing babies into the stuck relationship. And the babies, pure, they show up. And they're pure, because it's very easy to make babies. Pure, they show up. Pure, they show up. You don't have to be an expert to make babies. Just make babies. It's very easy. And babies will show up. So you can be raising babies in the midst of a stuck relationship. You know what happens to the, the babies when they grow up? What do, they, what do you think they become? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. They become stuck. And then they hate the relationship. Because every child loves the mother and loves the father. And they know that mom is not happy and dad is not happy and they are stuck. I mean, they can't do anything about it, so they're in a hurry to leave home. Some of you were so much in a hurry to leave home. Don't tell anybody. Don't let people know. When it was time to go to university, you just wanted to get out of the house because you've just been seeing argument around the dining table, argument around the car, argument everywhere. Because mom wants to go to the left, dad wants to go to the right. They are not moving in the same formation. So sometimes dad will just go and live somewhere and mom will live somewhere. It's called separation. And we are married, but we are separated. No, it's all just excuses because somehow they don't know how to pull together in the same direction. In the process, the children suffer. The first thing you look for is look for your purpose partner. If you want to avoid this picture of getting stuck, first thing you look for is that. Number two. Second thing you look for. Is. To look for. Someone 
who has what you need. Now be very attentive to this. You got to open your eyes. Tell your neighbor, open your eyes. Now say it again like you mean business. And say, open your eyes. Say it like you mean business. Say, open your eyes. There's a very funny story in the Bible. Jacob wants to marry Rachel so bad. He works seven years. In the night of the marriage, they give, her, they give him a woman. He goes on the honeymoon for the whole night. Spends a whole night with the woman. Only to wake up in the morning to find out that the woman was the wrong woman. Because somehow his eyes were closed. And somehow people are getting married only to discover that they have the wrong husband and the wrong wife right after the honeymoon. Because it's all about sex. It's all about nice legs and my God, he looks hard. And so after you've had all that, you realize, oops, the package isn't clean. The makeup was way too much. I really didn't see who I was marrying. Boy, the camouflage was a lie. And then you realize, I didn't really see who I really wanted to marry. And then you wake up and, and then you, you, you want to get out of that house like you really want to. I read a report many years ago. I don't know if it's still true, but I'm told that uh, most marriages... Uh, begin to get into trouble within the first two years, the transitional period. And within Canada, Statistics Canada, this is StatsCan, has it on record. And I know you Google me, so Google me, you'll find out. They have it on record that in a matter of 30 years, half of all Canadian marriages end in divorce. So that's very staggering statistic. In other words, if God doesn't intervene tonight, half of you will be divorced after 30 years. God forbid in Jesus' name. Amen. And that is why we are doing this, so that you can minimize your mistakes. And particularly so you can choose according to purpose. And not only that, but you can choose so that you don't have to wake up in the morning after to realize that you got Leah instead of Rachel. Tell your neighbor, make sure. Whether it's a boy or a girl, don't worry. Tell, make sure you don't get Leah the morning after. You know what the problem became? Jacob now had to work another seven years to get Rachel. In the process, there was rivalry between Rachel and Leah. Because all of a sudden, one is loved, the other is tolerated. I mean, you're a Christian. You really can't hate. You think you can hate? You can't hate. You can only tolerate. You bear with it. You bear it like a cross. <laughs> oh, let me carry my cross. I'm suffering this marriage, but let me carry my cross. One of these days, I pray, Jesus, come quickly. Come quickly. Let's end this. I can't divorce the church. We say why. My family will say why. But let me just endure it. And every day of your life in that marriage, you cry with them. You wish it was over. You wish that something happened. Let's avoid that. So you open your eyes. I'll give you a scripture that I love so much. I love this scripture. I almost quote it most of the time when I do fresh love. Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 5. 
And watch this. It's a very simple scripture. It said, if you have run with the footmen and they have worried you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they worried you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? This is a very serious scripture. Let me break it down. He said, if you run with footmen, hmm, footmen, and they got you tired, son, come. Say, is that Jose? Did I get it right? Awesome. So, you and I are going to try and move down there. We're going to run, okay? All right, let's go. It's footmen, men on foot. Men on foot. Oh, men on foot. Men on foot. Men on foot. So we get back. And I'm going. Oh, my, give me water. I need water. Oh, my. This is tough, man. If running with a man got me this tired, then I make the mistake to say, now I don't want a man. Give me a horse. <laughs> I want to race with a horse. What do you think will happen to me? Talk to me. If running with Jose got me this tired, what if I now start to run with a horse? What do you think will happen to me, my dear? More tired. In fact, you would die. Cars are measured... The engine capacity of cars are measured in horsepower, right? Uncle Kizito is here. Mr. Engineer, isn't that not true? They say 20, uh, 220 horsepower, two whatever. It means literally the engine capacity is like 200 horses, the power of 200 horses moving that car. So, this scripture says, if you run with men on foot and they get you tired, how can you now run with horses? In other words, when you start what you guys call dating or talking to somebody, I'll come to all your questions, don't worry. I'll get there, don't worry. I know, I know you. You have tons of questions for me about dating, courtship. I'm all ready for you. I really am. So, if, wow, we have not come to the altar yet. We just met in church, met at CR, holy place, beautiful sister, powerful brother. <laughs> if during the time before we get to the altar, while we are courting, whatever it means, and we are dating, or, or even now they say we, they are talking. <laughs> this generation is powerful. They invent new things all the time. They, you know, instead of, you know, they, Dating has some commitment issues to it. And courtship is ultra commitment. Courtship is like, from there we go to the altar. So now, the lower the commitment is not dating, it's not courtship, it's talking. Talking is free. It is commitment free. Ibi nalai. Uh-uh. We didn't talking now. Yeah, so we are just talking. You know, we are just talking face. You know, it's a talking face. There's nothing called talking face, brother. 
because you invest energy, you invest emotions, you invest heart, you invest everything, but because you don't want commitment to you, say it's a talking face. It's a lie. It is disguised courtship. So, if before marriage, let's say, you find out a particular habit of this wonderful gentleman you meet in church who is God Jr. that you love so much. But you realize that maybe he's lazy. Every day you ask, won't you go to work? Oh no, it's cold out there. Won't you go to work? Oh no, it's cold. My car broke down. Every day there's an excuse. Oh no, I can't find a job. But it's going every day. If that laziness rears its head while you are still running with footmen before you marry, if you don't open your eyes to address that laziness, guess what? When you marry, you are no longer running with men. You are running with horses because this thing is forever. It's only a one-way street. That thing which worried you before you marry will kill you after you marry. So you find out that the sister is always telling you a lie. Oh, I was at home. You go there, she's not there. Oh, I was in the library, checking the library, she's not there. Oh, I, I, you always find that. Sister, your home and your library connection never seem to work. Oh, sorry, I was with my friend Aisha. And you go to Aisha's house, it's not there. You call Aisha. Aisha is your friend there. Oh, no, she called me. And she's on the way. You run there, she's not there. If that little, little lies raise its head and you pick it up before you marry, if you don't deal with it before you marry, after you marry, they become mega lies, macho lies. When he says, look up, you have to look down. Before you realize that thing will crush you. Because, you know what? Before you marry, there is a particular level of love we call infatuation. In other words, we call it foolish love. It's love beyond 100%, if I can put it in, in, in percentiles. I mean, that love is not normal, okay? It's just not normal. You just love the person crazy. You love everything about the person. Because you are not thinking, all you think about, you spend one whole year to plan a wedding, a party, sorry, a party, sorry, a wedding, sorry, a party, sorry, a party, sorry, a wedding. Which one, how do you call it? Party or wedding? <laughs> oh, I like that. She combined the two, wedding party. Smart girl. <laughs> so you are too busy planning for the wedding party. So you never had time to check out the character. And then after the wedding party, when all the lights are off, and when all the guests are gone, and all the bills are paid, you find yourself living with a liar. And and now it's going to be mega lies. So if you run with men and they get you tired, when you now run with horses, they will kill you. What is the morale of the scripture? Whatever you discover before you marry, if you cannot deal with it 
and that particular thing is bothering you, that thing will kill you after marriage. Because after marriage, love returns to the normal level. Because you are not going to be seeing the makeup every day like that. Do you make up 24-7? No, you only make up when you are leaving home. So while you are home with him or her, uh, whichever one is applicable, because now when you see him, his hair is all well-groomed. What you don't know is before he comes to see you, he goes through the barber. Because he, he wants you to really be fixated on a cool haircut. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden you marry and he, 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 you see him 24-7. The barber doesn't live in the house. The makeup is not always there. So you see the real person. You see how he comes from work and throws the shirt here. And you go to the bedroom, the shirt is there, the, the pants is there, the shoes all over the place. And the car is not kept well. And the guy doesn't have money and is lazy and doesn't want to work and doesn't have any dream. He's not motivated. You saw all that before you married. But you didn't confront it. You didn't deal with it because you were in love. After you marry, those things will red your ugly head. This time, love has moved from 120% to 60%, realistic level. What killed you at 120 will dissolve you at 60. <laughs> and remember, when love is that high at that level, infatuation, 120%, it's not everything that you can pick up at that level because love covers a multitude of sins, right? So a lot of things, you won't even bother. But when it hits realistic level, all the things that were hiding at 80%, 70%, everything will now flare its head. That is why people have so much issues the first two years of marriage. You know why? It's, the, it's called the discovery stage or the transitional stage because everything now is in the open. Am I helping somebody? Actually, I'm just going to shut up and take your questions because I know you want to ask me questions. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep quiet and ask, answer your questions. So the second parameter is open your eyes. Tell somebody, open your eyes. The amazing thing is, the amazing thing is God is so faithful that he almost always will let you see what you need to see before the marriage. Only that sometimes we are too stubborn and we don't want to confront them because we, we feel that if I let him go, I may not find another guy. These days, guys are tough to come by. Let me just settle with this one. It's okay. We'll work our way through. And you realize that there's nothing called settling. Because that thing's going to settle on your head till death comes. This thing is serious, bro. Thank you. This thing is serious. So while we search... Let's open our eyes. Open your eyes. There are things you need to see. Some things, sometimes when you see something and you say, oh, I don't like the way uh, you dress. You know, I'd rather you dress this way. Sometimes they are very easy to correct. You know, and, and you said they will correct themselves and things like that. And sometimes you are telling the guy, I don't like the way you dress. He says, ah, me, that's how I dress, so I'm not going to change. If that thing bothers you, madam, Run away for your life. A broken engagement, a broken courtship is better than a broken marriage. What irks you today about her or about him before you marry? If you don't deal with it, 
That thing has the propensity to ravage you after marriage. So, you need to confront, open your eyes. I find that in your generation, you guys have your eyes closed. You are big on social media, but you actually have your eyes closed. You are not checking anything. So you want to marry the guy. You want to marry the girl. Do you have the money to, to do marriage? You are not checking. You never had discussion on it. Are you psychologically prepared? No. I just want to marry. 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 I need a husband. So you marry. Then you realize, oh. I'm not even ready. You want to go to mom's house the next day. You want to go to dad's house the next day. Hey, brother. Marriage is not for boys. It's for men. And marriage is not for girls. It's for women. You know the difference? Marriage is not for men in diapers either. And it's not for girls who sleep on mother's veranda. Marriage is the real thing. It's a real life. It's not, there's no try and error. <laughs> you just can't try to see if it will work first before we... No. Whatever you must learn, learn now before you say, I do. Because after I do, children get involved. It becomes messy. So that's a lot of it you see around you. That's why you don't like. I used to deal with a lot of young people when I was a youth pastor. And some of them were bold enough to tell me, I don't, I don't want to marry. And he said, because I don't like how my dad treats my mom. I don't like it. Because they've seen it so much. Married to them, they don't like it. A lot of people have gone so many other ways just because of what they have seen at home, which is not appealing to them. This one is big. Number three. I'm giving you the parameters to look for. This one is big. I'm warning you ahead of time. Take note of the love submission dynamics. Love dash submission dynamics. In Ephesians 5, the Bible talks about number one, wives Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. So, if my daughter come, come, I'm going to do something very interesting. Awesome. Kizito, come, come, come. Because it's easy for me to demonstrate. This part must be demonstrated. I'm not saying you are married, though. No, you are not married. Please, so no suggestions. I beg, go. This is my wonderful daughter, my wonderful son. They just want to help me teach something. Now, Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, listen to it carefully. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Watch this. So, a wife is to submit. To submit means to respect, to honor, to uh, literally yield 
to the husband. But you must do it as you do it to the Lord. Not because your husband is super or is macho or because he commands it. No. Because as a child of God, Jesus is your Lord and you submit your will to Christ. Now he says, let's read it together in, in case uh, 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 maybe I missed something. Let's look at it together. What does it say? Wives, do what? Did you see, he said, oh, your own husband. And then how, how must you submit? Go ahead. So, if this man is your husband, your submission to him is as unto Christ. So, if you cannot submit to him, you cannot submit to Christ. So you can't go to church and say, I love you, Lord. I will give you all my worship. As if you are submitting to Christ. If you cannot submit to your own husband. Because you submit to him as to the Lord. It's not because you're a woman and you, to you, you don't like to submit because you're a woman and you know everything. Bro, sister. Then listen to what Apostle Paul said. Don't marry. Just don't marry. No one is forcing you to marry. Is anyone being forced to marry? I can't hear you. Are you being forced to marry? Is a girl pointing a, a gun at you to say, marry me by force? Is a guy pointing a gun at you to say, marry me? Nobody. It's out of your will. Okay. So then, he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. But that's not the end. Now go to verse 25. Watch this carefully. And he says, talks to the husband. He says, husband. For the husband, uh, no, 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 25. Thank you. Let's read about the husbands too. I know women think, oh, submission, submission. No, 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 no. You are not to submit just because of submission. You submit us unto Christ. Can I hear you say Christ? Can I hear you say Christ? I still can't hear you say Christ. So your submission to your husband, is like you are submitting to Christ. Now let's look at the husband. What does the husband supposed to do? Go, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, how are you supposed to love your wife? You are supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ show love to the church? I can't hear you. I still can't hear you. I still can't hear you. So the husband must love the wife and the parameters is Christ. The wife must submit to the husband and the parameters is Christ. So the submission and the love dynamics meet at the junction called Christ. The problem with many people handling the scripture about submission, they think submission is to the man. No, it's to, it's to him as unto Christ. And the love of your wife is not because she's pretty or because she's great, but if she's your wife, you love her just as Christ loved the church. If Christ loved the church by dying for the church, it means you must love your wife to the point where you can die for her. So sisters, next time the young man says he loves you, 
<laughs> what question are you going to be asking? I can't hear you. I still can't hear you. I can't hear you. Thank you. I have some smart daughters here. And sisters, or brothers, next time the sisters say, oh, I, I can submit to you, what should you be asking her? Can you submit as unto Christ? And then Paul uses the metaphor of the church. He says the church is the bride and Christ is the bridegroom. And the church submits to the bridegroom. So when we come together, how does the church submit to, the Christ, to, to, to Christ? We worship. So can we celebrate. So can you worship? Can you celebrate your husband? If you can't do that, you can't submit. And then after we've worshipped, we've celebrated. What does Christ do to show his love for the church? He, he, he provides salvation. He, he provides protection. The, he, he speaks a word. He washes the church with the word. So every time you come to church, you will see the dynamics of the bride and the bridegroom. So we worship. We honor. We love. Sometimes we even kneel down. Can you even kneel down for your husband? He said, no, but it's not these days. Come on, this is 2020. Pastor Ralph, come, be real. Come on. I'm just teaching Bible. <laughs> I warned you ahead of time. I gave you the parameters. I'm not teaching modern day culture. I'm not teaching my, my philosophy. I'm teaching Bible. Because the man is to love the wife to the point of death. And when you you can die for a woman. It means you are willing that, you know, Christ protects the church. You protect her with your life. You take a bullet for her. You make sure she eats. You make sure she's kept. You make sure no power of darkness surrounds her. You wash her with the word. You make sure she's comfortable. You make sure she's still shining. At 20, after 29 years of marriage, she must still look like a 16-year-old girl because she's chopping all your money. You know what I'm talking about? That is what we talk about. Loving unto death. To say, listen... Here's my card. Use it anyhow you want because I love you unto death. I don't love my money more than I love you. I it's all pastor. No, 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 no money thing. Brother, it's all about if they come to you, I love you like unto God. I will die for you, but don't touch my money. Run away for your life. He's a liar. It means he's placed money above love. And I'm, I may be Joking, but you ask my wife, this is actually how we live. She has access to every card I have. She has access to every account I have. Spend whatever I want to spend. Because if I can lay my life down for you, and I can lay my dollars at your feet, what type of husband am I? And if, if you, can, you can come to church... And worship and honor the Lord and your wife. And you can't worship and honor and celebrate your husband at home. What type of wife are you? Are you? My wife celebrates me all the time. Sometimes the boys tease her. Every, he said, every six months, mom will look for something to celebrate daddy about. If it's not birthday, it is something. As I say, it's enough. I'm celebrated enough. I'm, it's okay. I'm, because to her, that is what a wife does. 
is part of her service of submission. So, Paul calls this the mystery of marriage. This is the mystery of marriage. And a lot of people don't understand this mystery. So they struggle. Wives don't know how to submit. And husbands don't know how to love. To love and to submit. Which one is easier? I can't hear you. When you submit, do you die? But what is the parameters of the love? Should be able to die. And it's not just physical, but every aspect of death. To protect your bride. To provide for the bride. You die to your own self, to your own will, for the benefit of the bride. And the amazing thing is this. When relationships begin, and I'm going to say this, I know I don't have much time, let me cut this. When relationships begin, Hear me carefully. It begins at the junction of the man loving the woman. Many times you realize the woman really doesn't love the man because he who finds a wife. So the man goes to find. So what he has to offer is what? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Good. What the woman has to offer is submission. So she begins a relationship without necessarily, necessarily head over heels with you in love. Am I talking to somebody? She has submission. But you must be head over heels in love. So with time, because love is reciprocal and submission is also reciprocal, you have love. As you love her, with time, she will love you back. And she has submission. As she submits to you, with time, you will submit to her back. So you will have love-submission dynamics interfaced. But it starts first with love-submission. Very soon you will have love and submission. And you will have what? Submission and love. Thank you very much. Celebrate these two people. Celebrate them for me. So, if a man comes to you and says he loves you, he hasn't committed a crime. <laughs> Who else must he love? An animal? <laughs> what men, men are hunters, what they carry is love. They come to say, I love you. You must first look at, can I really submit to this man? And Paul that's it beautifully. Apostle, we may have to do this again because I have so much I haven't been covered. We may have to find another time I'll do this. There's just so much. I'm trying to get it all in in one session, but just too much. And I, I think I'm not doing justice to it. Um, so is it okay if I end about five minutes? We'll do it another time. Is that all right? Because there's so much I want to teach you. But if I, if I don't do justice to it, I won't feel good in my spirit. Now, watch this. Go to Ephesians 5. Go to the last verse. I think it's verse 33. You will understand what I just taught you. Go to verse 33, I think. Can we read it together? Go. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular uh -huh, so love his own wife 
as himself. And let the wife see that she, she, her husband. So, when you sum up submission, another word for submission is what? Respect. Love. When you sum it love, there's no other word for love. It's still love. So, brother, hear me. If you cannot love that sister, leave her alone. Don't go chasing her because you have a need. You know, you, have, you know what I mean. You have a need. She's not a vessel of a need. She is a vessel to be loved. And sisters, can I, hear, can I tell you something? If you cannot respect somebody's son, don't marry him. Because you will wreck somebody's son. There's nothing more a man loves more than to be respected. If you cannot respect him, when he tells you he loves you, you are not supposed to love him instantly because that's not you. You don't. Some of you call love as first sight. It's okay. Whatever you call it is fine. I'm just teaching Bible. I mean, if you can go ahead of Bible and love him instantly, well done. But the question you must ask yourself is, can I respect this man? If I look at this man, if I, whilst I talk to him, can he command my respect? Now, if you respect somebody, can you insult him? I can't, talk, I can't hear you. If you respect somebody, can you trivialize his efforts? Can you disgrace him? Can you scandalize him? Can, because you respect the person. So that's what you must consider. When someone proposes to you, the reason why some of you get confused is, so, but I don't love him. You don't have to. It's too soon. As he loves you, soon and very soon, that love is reciprocated. What you need at the beginning is, can I really respect him? And then there will be the interchange with time. Amen. I'm done. So I have so many questions here, but I won't answer them because if I do, it's going to be just too long. So I'll answer the questions you want to ask me. Uh, if it's possible, base it on the stuff I've taught you because then it will be very easy to put it in context. Don't ask me hypothetical questions. If you ask hypothetical questions, I'll give hypothetical answers. <laughs> if you ask questions that don't make sense, I'll give you answers that don't make sense. Because <laughs> whatever you sow, the same you. Thank you very much. I know Apostle Kofi has trained all of you very well. So now talk to me. Any questions? So that, um, we've been doing it through a text app. Awesome. So as you've been ministering, they've been sending text messages. Ah, you guys are ahead of me. <laughs> so Tiff has a whole note full of questions. Okay, Tiff. Shoot, let's go. Okay, great. Um, let, 
us start with this about finding a purpose partner, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, what happens if purpose changes changes or gets modified along the way after marriage and one of the partners isn't particularly convinced about the new direction? I think the question is confusing what purpose is. See, purpose doesn't change after marriage. <laughs> Career may change after marriage. Career may change after <laughs> I have some fans in that corner. I have some fans in that corner. Purpose doesn't change after marriage. Does your head, your neck, does it change after marriage? You marry, all of a sudden your head now swift to the back. Your purpose is your God-given assignment. It is that thing God put you on earth for. My purpose is to transform lives and raise leaders. That's what I'm on, I'm on this planet Earth for. It hasn't changed from the time I knew God had come into ministry. If you ask my wife, even before TLC started, all our lives in ministry has always been around transforming lives, raising leaders. It is TLC that gave us the expression of that vision because while we served somebody else's vision, we served under that vision, but underneath that vision, what came out all the time was transforming lives, raising leaders, just making sure we help people, just putting people in. I mean, that's all we've been doing because that's what God has called us to do. And when I found a purpose partner, her purpose and my purpose, became one because she saw through my purpose, not saw through her purpose. And we probably will have different career preparations, but the purpose is the same. You may be an engineer. I may be um, an artist, but at the, at the end of it all, our purpose could be one. Career could express things differently, sometimes just because of survival, but at the end of it all, it's about purpose. And I know you want me to talk about purpose, but I won't. This is marriage seminar. So you see, I'm saying a lot of you don't even know what your purpose is. And I'll tell you, first discover your purpose before you find out who is your purpose partner. Otherwise, you will be wasting somebody's son or somebody's daughter's time. Because if after you marry, you discover your purpose and you realize the one you married is not in love with your purpose, that is the, that's where divorce starts. So discover your purpose first. Take time to discover it before you discover a purpose partner. Is that all right? That's great. All right. Um, speaking kind of still about purpose partners, is it possible to miss that perfect purpose partner? And if so, does that mean that your purpose can no longer be fulfilled? It is absolutely possible for you to miss your purpose partner. I told you about the good will, the acceptable will, and the perfect will of God. Now, I'll give you an example. The Bible says a Christian can marry any Christian. So you can marry any Christian. That is the good will. It's a Christian. The, I didn't say it. The Bible said it. And I'm teaching Bible. The Bible says if you're a Christian, marry a Christian. So when you marry any Christian at all, it's a good will. You're in the good will of God. When you push further and you want to marry a Christian who maybe 
believes a lot of the things you believe and you have the same uh, uh, different things, I mean, come together. Maybe you've moved from being goodwill to acceptable will because now you have common beliefs and, and common practice and different things. But that's still not the perfect will. The perfect will of God is that one who, when you meet, eats into your purpose, you feed into her purpose. It is a marriage of purposes before a marriage of bodies. It is a marriage of spirits before it becomes a marriage of bodies. Because marriage is a coming together of spirit, soul, and body. A lot of us just look to the body part, sex. But that is the least part. It, the spirits must match. You become one spirit with a person. Then the souls come together. Some of you say, that's my soulmate. You're only using one, para, one, 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 one metrics of the whole thing. You need a spirit mate, a soul mate, and a body mate. All three together is your purpose partner. Go ahead, Tiff. Okay, next question. What advice would you give to someone who has a child with the wrong person but wants to still move forward in a godly relationship with the one God destined them to be with? I love that question. There are mistakes in life. That's why there's an eraser. Have you ever wondered why there's that small thing at the tip of the pencil called eraser? It's because while you write, you can make a mistake. So you need the eraser to erase. There are mistakes in life. Because we are all not perfect beings. God is working on all of us. I'm not perfect. You are not perfect. Wherever you are watching me from, you are not perfect either. So, the sad thing is some mistakes carry consequences which are not easily disposable. So if a misstep and a misstep produces a baby, don't kill yourself. Don't beat yourself with guilt to death. The blood of Jesus forgives. The blood of Jesus cleanses. The blood of Jesus gives second chances. All of us have enjoyed second chances. Pick yourself up. Thank God for new life. Thank God for new day. Your baby is not a liability. It's a gift from God. What you do is find someone who even though you may have one or two or three children sees you as the purpose partner so much so that that they will love you and love your children. And the two of you can pull together. If I want to find your purpose partner, they will love you anyhow because they see that this is the one God is taking me to. It is much easier that way. The only thing is, because we are human, human beings having a few idiosyncrasies, when they see that you have one or two children, many of them tend to shy away. And so it's better that you don't. But in case you do, there are second chances. And God is a God of second chances. Amen? All right. Dad, is it a problem if a man doesn't have a leader that he submits to? Run away for your life. <laughs> Just run away, you know. <laughs> because if you can't submit to a leader, and when we talked about love submission dynamics, 
Remember, it's not, she's not, he's not supposed just to come to, get to, to you with love at the beginning. That love must keep growing. And in the process, your submission must also grow into him. So we become love submission, love submission couple. Now, if he cannot submit to somebody else above him, what makes you think that he can submit to you? his wife. So, one of the things you watch for, even before he gets the spirit of submission, is to see, before you marry, you watch out, I told you, open your eyes, check to see who is the leader in his life. Is he really submitted to? I always tell men, if you have a, if you have a man <clears throat> who can bend his knees to another man, Above him, you are in trouble. I tell, I tell, I mean, I tell uh, ladies, you, you must have a man who has the power and the humility to bend his knees before another man. Otherwise, you are married to a tyrant. And the tyrant cannot do one thing. It will terrorize you. <laughs> another question. Is it okay for the girl to make the first move? Oh. If you want to make God's work easier, that's fine. <laughs> God says, uh, he who finds a wife has found a good thing. You want to help God make it easier? Sure. <laughs> Just say, he who finds a wife. Or, but in your case, he who finds a husband has found a good thing. Say, no problem. Help God. <laughs> Except that, watch this. If you go and you tell a man... I love you. What you are actually saying is I have submission. I want to submit to you. It is the man who comes to you with love. Then later on, you fall in love with him. So, assuming you, you, you know, God has helped you. So you have love already. You don't need his love. You have your own love for him. You go and he, you give him love. And if that man is not gentle and he accepts your love, he will love you and leave you. Because you brought your love. He doesn't have any for you. So that is why some of them use you, love you, use you, love you, use you, and go. Because he doesn't have love for you. You, you gave him love. So good. But it has to be love submission dynamic at the foot of Christ. Love like Christ, submit us unto Christ. Christ. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Everything must be by Christ. Amen? Go ahead, Tiffany. Somebody wrote, I don't find a lot of the guys around me physically attractive, and it can sometimes be discouraging. Is it wrong to desire to have a purpose partner that I also find attractive naturally? <laughs> oh, Christ, the solid rock I stand. <laughs> All at the ground is sick inside. 
Do you really want me to answer that question? Yes, please. Are you sure? Yes. When Regina and I met, there was nothing attractive about me. And that's the truth. Sometimes I still wonder why she actually even accepted my love. I, I, because what the pastor you see today wasn't that pastor some 20 something years ago. I was a nerd. You know, a nerd. I knew a few things. I just knew the library. I was a science student. I studied like crazy. I loved music. I played music. I went to the library and I went to church. And that was my whole life. Never took her to the movies once because I've never been there. <laughs> never went to the club once because I have never been there. How can I take you to a place I've, I don't know? Our dates, our times of dating were just driving around Woodbridge looking for the house we like. But one thing I said to her is this. When you are 80, and I'm 82. We will still be together. So some of you these days, you are looking for what is not lost. One physical attraction, it will die one day. That physical attraction won't always be there. He who falls in love with a man or a woman because of physical attraction is like buying a house because of the paint. Because you know back home, I would paint the exteriors of a house. With time, when it rains, the paint will be beaten off. The one you are dying for because of the hairdo and the natural attraction, look at a person 20 years from now. You will realize that attraction is gone. If the attraction takes you there, the attraction will leave you when the attraction leaves. See, I asked if you want me to give the answer, you see? Because I know you don't really like the answer. You want me to say, oh, no, find chemistry, find chemistry. Well, that's why I asked the question. I give you two questions to ask. Who remembers what the questions are? Number one, how do you feel? And number two, if you're a woman, what is the question? And if you're a man, what is the question? If you cannot answer these two questions, leave somebody's daughter, somebody's son alone. And if you can answer them boldly, move to the next level. Is chemistry not good? Chemistry is good. But then, Regina took me and fixed me. She showed me how to dress. I used to wear green corduroy with orange top. You remember that? that I, Green cord, green corduroy, and orange shirt. Think about it. <laughs> Just think about it. And I had a lot of her bushy hair. Sometimes, eh, I, because when you see me, I'll see that going to church, going to work, going to the library, or going to school. That's all I did. That was my life. And I studied like crazy. Beyond my physics, chemistry, biology, I was doing at U of T and uh, botany and all that stuff. 
you will always find me reading books. Like I was always reading something. I, and I wasn't going to be jumping from one day to another. I met Regina. God said, that's your wife. That's your wife. It's finished. Sister, when you are 80, I'm 82. We'll be together. I could have been all the romantic things you want. And I would have left by now. But 29 years and counting, we still did. With time, she polished me. I became a nice man. <laughs> With time, I also taught her some of my craziness. She also became crazy. With time, she taught me how to be more human. I became more human. Because I didn't know what I was those days. I was like a moving machine. <laughs> With time, I learned to chill. Now I can just chill. Sometimes you tell me to slow down, I slow down. When the old one comes and I'm going, he said, relax. Okay, I relax. But they're still there. <laughs> At the end of the day, beauty can be bought from the store. The one you find not physically attractive, another girl can take him and fix him. We have a, a daughter in the U.S. who picked a man. And we saw the man she picked. And then we saw the man sometime later. And the man she picked and the man we saw after they married, I saluted her. <laughs> I, I came, I, I went to do the wedding in the U.S. And I told Regina, I said, Regina, the man you saw and the man, nice, well-fitted suits. You know the bowler he used to wear? That's what wear there anymore. Nice fitted suits with hair. I looked, I said, I, I said, you have done well. <laughs> no, took him to the barber, changed his hairstyle. You're talking about somebody who's in his 60s or something. That guy feels like a teenager. Because somebody said, I'm going to invest beauty in you. Because what we saw then is not what you see now. The man is... Let's end there. We can just keep talking and talking. So chemistry is good, but biology is better. <laughs> okay. We know that you said that talking <laughs> is basically fake. Um, Which but one? <laughs> the talking... Oh, it's uh, very fake. It's very fake. Yeah, okay. So in, in that... Season the that, talking phase, the talking phase, which you, um, which you invented, yeah, Good. amongst all of us. I'm, I'm <laughs> sharing the blame here. Um, so in the talking stage, should you be exclusive or can you have options? You know, the amazing thing is this if you say he's talking and I'm talking to 10 people, why should you be upset? <laughs> You said it's talking, so I'm talking to 10 people. Why, why should you be jealous? Is that he's talking to me, he's talking to somebody else. You say he's talking. So must I just talk to one person? That is why it is very unhealthy. So if you create a problem, handle it yourself. You call it talking face, you talk your way through your face. But one thing is clear. The only reason why you get upset while 
during the second phase, somebody else talks and you get upset is this. Because two things you keep investing, time and emotions. I always tell people that I don't think women are foolish. When you are texting him three, four times a day, you are asking, don't, you think she's an idiot? He said, we are just talking. What do you mean by talking? She's investing her emotions. And the biggest losers are, so you talk, 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 talk. Then he tells you, I've finished talking. I'm going to talk to somebody. Meanwhile, you have said everything you need to say. And then he takes everything you said and he goes to somebody else. Let's talk now. When will you stop talking? No, it's not, it's not healthy. I know this generation invented it. And I know you invented a lot of good things, but it's one of the bad things you invented. At the end of the day, you keep talking and talking and talking. That's why many of you are so empty sometimes when it comes to relationship. Because don't you know that while you keep talking, you keep giving, you keep giving, you keep investing more. So you're tired. By the time the guy empties you, it goes to another person. Meanwhile, she's busy talking to you. How do you know if he's taking everything you said to the other person? It's only to the benefit of the guys who created this thing called talking face. It doesn't benefit you, my daughters, in any way. But because you just feel that, well, he said we are only talking, so let's talk. You've said everything you need to say. And then he says, thanks for talking, but I want to move on to somebody. I want to talk to somebody else. When will you stop talking? Tell them, go to the closet and pray. And find out if I'm your purpose partner first, before we start talking. Otherwise, this thing oh, is a waste of my time. I'm going to invest my emotions, invest my time, and then you leave talking to me, go talk to somebody else, and you break my heart. Now, if it's a talking face, how can when they leave you get upset? Talk to me. You say it's a talking face. When they leave you, you are dying. And yet you say it's a talking face. Leave those guys alone. Tell them, go talk to somebody. Me, leave me alone. I am better than this. They are just having fun. Some of them just love the attention. They love the fact that, oh, I, I just talked to her for a little bit. She knows everything about you. Then moves to the next person. Let's talk. Some of them just love that. They have nothing doing. They are not going anywhere. They have no purpose, no vision. For 10 years, they keep talking. And then sometimes they say, we talk with benefits too. And then when you add benefits to their talking, and at the end, you tell, we're just talking. It's gone. And if a baby pops up, it's talking with benefits, baby. <laughs> Who loses? Who loses? Thank you. Go ahead, my dear. So we've had a lot of great questions online. So we definitely need a part two. But we wanted to take at least one question um, from our live audience. Um, so if anybody wants to ask a question, I see a hand right there. Actually, love I have a question mm -hmm. about Go ahead. finding the right person in terms of the church environment. Like, do you, as a female, do you always have to stick to the place, the church? Like, finding somebody, let's say, in school, but the person goes to church? Like, I just want to know the definition of of what finding the person at church means. I really don't understand your question. Help me to understand what you're asking. So my question is, mm -hmm. they say you find the person at church. Okay. 
But I just want to know, like, your definition of finding the person at church. Okay, who said you should find at church? Who said that? No, no, serious. No, I, you are, I think you're asking a very good question. I want to understand it well. Maybe I've never heard it from that angle, so I want to really understand. Like, is there a school of thought which says if you're a Christian, find the person at church? Yeah, but they say you, when you go to church, you find the right person. When you go to church, you find the right person. Oh, but I want to know your definition. Like, is it, as a female, do you stick to the church or... Let's say when you, when you travel and you talk to the person and the person says, oh, I go to church at United Nations. And oh. then, yeah, then you guys can talk or you have to start going to United Nations and be monitoring this guy and that's right. the guy you follow. Like, you you see, know? now all of us understood the question. Thank you. I think it's a great question. And, and the answer is very simple. The answer is very simple. It's easier... If the two of you eat from the same pot, have the same spiritual authority, have the same submission structure. If I have a son and a daughter who are part of this house and they want to marry, the son submits to my leadership, the daughter submits to my leadership, it's very easy for me to correct any of them if the need comes to correct because in life you will need to correct. But if you bring somebody from outside, they most often will have issues submitting to this person until they become very familiar with them. Then they will submit. So nobody says it's wrong to marry from outside. I'm just trying to show you it's usually easier. But... There are people who, when they love you and they know that you are their purpose partner, and the two of you agree which, who is going to move to which church, they will easily submit to your spiritual leadership if they want to move to your place. They will, they will readily do it. All those are signs for you to see whether this is the one or not. So that you are not here like Regina and I, I'm going there, he's going there, and we are stretching. Because in the end, we are not going anywhere. Now, the caveat to that question is this. Marry a Christian, the big C church. That Christian could be in India, could be in Pakistan, could be in Ghana, could be anywhere. Just marry a Christian. So that's where it starts from. You know, and not just a Christian, but the will of God and the perfect will of God for your life. Sometimes you will find that person not within the church where you attend. You may find them somewhere else, but we are all members of the body of Christ. We are all Christians, bought by the blood of Christ, sanctified and set free. And that is what matters. As long as the person goes to ABC church or NDC church or APC church, and you know that they are born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, baptized, that is where you start from. Sometimes, you got to be very careful. Doctrines can create issues. You know, I go to a church where we, we baptize children uh, and, and then we do all sorts of things. And, and in your church, we don't really believe that and we believe different things. It can create issues. So you got to be very careful. And most of these things, they are easily sought out when you have a spiritual covering. You can just talk to them. And, and these things can easily be sorted out very easily without it becoming messy. 
So it, I've seen many, many good, good marriages who have brought, you know, people from us. I just, on Friday, the men were here, and I shared a story with them. One of my daughters, who I, I used to pastor uh, years ago, uh, got married to a man, her husband, who lived in London, and, and the man moved here. And when the man moved here, he said to the wife, well, I want to take you to a church downtown. So in submission to her husband, she went with the man, but every opportunity she got, she visited TLC. And then she would, she would tell the husband, you know, in this church, I'm not really growing. I, I, you know, I love to pray, and the church doesn't pray. And she even started a prayer meeting, and no one would show up. And, and, but she, and she was really dying in that church. And so every opportunity we had a program here, she would come here, and she would revive herself, and she would come and see me, and blah, blah. But the husband watched her. After four years, one day the husband said to her, I watched you. And you followed me to a place you didn't like. You submitted to me. Now I know even more who you are. I know that your father is Dr. Ravna. I know your heart is there. And I know you are blessed at TLC and you want to be there. Now I am going to follow you to your father's house. So the man brought her back home. And now the man is one of our leaders in our men's ministry. And she is just too excited. They invited me home and they shared the story with me. It was so, and, the, and the, man, the man is a lawyer. The man said, you know, I, I just tested my wife a little bit. And I saw that even though she didn't like it, because that was my church and I was going, she submitted to me. So you now you understand what I talk about. After love came and submission came, the man now submitted and she loved more. So these things happen all the time. So it could be vice versa. It could be different. So it's not difficult to handle these things. So thank you. That's a very, very wise question. Thanks so much. I hope I've answered you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any other live question? There's a hand in the front. Okay. Yes. Um, my question is, I guess, to... Uh, Mama Regina as well. Mm. It's what tells a woman that she is ready to commit and marry other than knowing in her heart? And also, um, how did you practically and spiritually prepare for marriage? You know, I had all of them in my notes. I'm going to, but I just realized I can't cover everything. So it's a great question. I'll give you a quick, uh, a quick preamble. You know, um, I have young men in my home who are preparing to marry. So I teach them these things. There are four ways you must prepare to marry. Psychologically, spiritually, mentally, and financially. And I actually break it down. I was going to teach you. I break it down and show you under each category what to do to prepare for marriage. After you have found your purpose partner, you have prayed and you know that is the one, like you said, your question, I presume, is asking, after you know all that, how do you prepare to marry? So there are four ways to prepare, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, and financially. Uh, marriage is capital intensive. Think about it. How are you going to pay your mortgage? How are you going to pay your rent? Who's going to pay for the cars? When children come, daycare. Like, you got to budget for all these things. That is why in our generation, uh, you just marry because you know that's your purpose and blah, 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 blah. But now in your generation, 
in addition to discovering all that, you've got to make yourself economically powerful. That is why each man, each woman, make sure that you anchor yourself economically well so you don't become a burden to the one whom you love or the one whom you respect and the home or whom you submit because your generation is more expensive for these things. Um, psychologically, Bible says uh, the man shall leave father and mother and, be, and cleave to the wife. Are you ready to really leave? Or you leave, leave. Or you just leave, but you haven't left yet. Are you, you may still live in the same house, but you can still leave. And you may be in Alberta, and we are here in Ottawa, and you haven't left. Because by phone, you can be on the phone every minute. Leaving is a psychological step where you are mentally prepared to take on responsibility. To be able to say, I'm a man of my home, and I do what needs to be done. I can't be seeing mom and dad every day. Doesn't mean that I have not left. But mentally, psychologically, you are prepared to head your home and be the leader of your home. Spiritually, you remember when you marry, you become the king priest and the prophet of your home. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to lay down your life for your wife? Are you ready to pray and cover your home? Do you have what it takes to stand up and do warfare for your home? Do you have what it takes to make sure that your home is undercover? See, and then I talk about mentally. Do you have the mental strength as a wife? All these things are applicable to both. Do you have the mental strength as a wife, as a husband, to be able to really move to the next level? Are you able to handle pain? Are you able to handle the pressure of life? Because there's pressure in life. So you'll be a mother. Are you ready to mentally be a mother? Can you go through labor? Can you carry pregnancy? All these things are there. Another time, I'll take time. I'm sorry I rushed it through all that, but I appreciate the question. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. Uh -huh. So all these things are there. I'm so sorry, I can't do too much justice to uh, this question because it takes time to teach others and then show you how you do it. Awesome. Well, may the Lord bless you. And thank you so much, Pastor Kof, for this privilege to speak to this awesome audience. And thank you for coming. May the Lord bless you. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Well, can we please appreciate that for pouring out and Amazing. Thank you so much, Pops. That I would just kindly ask you to pray over everybody here um, and pray that those that are not married would find their perfect will and those that are married would continue to operate in the love and submission. Shine, Jesus, shine. Feel this land. With the Father's glory, blaze, Spirit, bless. on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace 
and mercy send forth your word lord and let there be light lord and let there be light sing it one more time tell jesus shine shine jesus fill this land with the father's glory fill this land with the father blaze spirit blaze blaze spirit blaze set our hearts on fire set our hearts on fire flow river flow flow Flood the nations, flood the nations with grace and yearn for your word, Lord, and let them. Mom, please join me. Mom, please join me. Let's pray for our sons and daughters. Father, in the name of Jesus, Mom and I stand together in faith and we release a blessing over your people. The same way you help Mom and I to locate each other and to walk in your perfect will for our marriage. Even though we are not perfect human beings, but you helped us to discover your perfect will. I pray in the name of Jesus, that same grace over everyone at the sound of my voice. Let that grace be your portion. May your feet be directed supernaturally. May you meet your purpose partner. May you meet them at the right time. And when you meet them, let there be love and let there be respect and submission. I pray Holy Ghost. May you come upon your people tonight. Because one which is a thousand and two, ten thousand. May they not do five hundred together. May the two of them do ten thousand. Help everyone, oh God, to locate the one for whom you have purposed. You placed us here on, on planet earth for a purpose. I also pray that help everybody to discover what their purposes are. May they know, may they see, may they feel, may they discover. Because purpose is for discovery. Teach them what it is to discover it. And how to find it. And after they found it, lead them to discover who that partner is. The helper is to fulfill that purpose. I ask in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus.